This podcast is brought to you by Greystone Theological Institute. Faithful theological wisdom, edification, and training in a rapidly changing world. Visit greystoneinstitute.org. Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count, with Carl Truman and Todd Pruitt. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. You are listening to Mortification of Spin, and as always, your hosts are Todd Pruitt and Carl Truman. I'm the non-English one. I speak English, but not nearly as well as Carl Truman, my co- my co-host. You speak a form of I, English. I, I speak I think a, that's a form, more accurate way of putting. It, it, it's an Americanized English, entirely appropriate here in the former colonies. It's it's one of the ways that we continue to protest the savagery and tyranny of King George. <laughs> Um, we still refuse to speak English in precisely the way that uh, that you islanders do. What, what was the tax rate under King George? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we are so thankful that you're joining us today, and uh, we have a guest um, that we're excited about talking about a a topic that, for many of our listeners, we think uh, will find very very relevant. Our guest is Mary Beaky. Now, if that name uh, sounds familiar. Um, Mary is the wife of Dr. Joel Beakey, um, whose work I'm sure many of our listeners um, is quite familiar with, his many books that he has written, his collections that he's edited. Um, of course, uh, Reformation Heritage Books is a wonderful, wonderful publishing house. And one of their new books is by our guest, uh, Mary Beakey. The title of this is going to resonate immediately with uh, some of our parents out there. It's called Teach Them to Work, Building a Positive Work Ethic in Our Children. And I don't think there's a parent alive who uh, has not had to struggle at least to some degree in trying to teach uh, the value of work to their children, to instill within their children the value of work. Um, Let's face it, work is not always fun and it's not always exciting. And so to one degree or another, children oftentimes resist that. And so this book is uh, uh, an effort to, to help parents uh, to teach their kids about uh, the value of work. Mary Beaky, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. So I, I wonder briefly if you would just tell us uh, what's, what's prompted you uh, to write a, uh, a book um, something more than just a pamphlet, but a book on this subject, teaching your children to work. Yes, I believe firmly in the value of work. And we as parents have 18 years to take our children from infancy to adulthood, praying that they'll be responsible and God-honoring citizens. And by the time they become adults, they will be spending about a third of their total hours working and about half of their waking hours working. So work Mm -hmm. is a big deal. And if they're not prepared for it, they're going to have a very difficult life. And we're in our culture today, I believe we're fighting an uphill battle because there's 
for one, the mentality that's been with us, TGIF, thank God it's Friday, and living for the weekends, living for entertainment and fun. And oh boy, Monday morning, drudgery, I've got to get up and go to work. And then from Monday to Friday, you have this miserable existence because you have to work. And it doesn't have to be that way because our own attitude can make us miserable or our own attitude by God's grace can make us happy in our work. And more recently, there's the voices of entitlement that are teaching our children, you deserve this and that and everything else to have your needs met. But, oh, we won't talk about the fact that you have to work for it and that you have to earn your own keep and carry your own weight if you're able-bodied and able-minded. So that attitude of entitlement that our kids are being fed by our culture um, makes for a lot of complaining, um, and that makes us unhappy. Whereas if we have an attitude of humility and gratitude, then then we'll be happy. And we'll also have motivation to to do our work and have that beautiful sense of accomplishment. Um, also, from a personal standpoint, I've, I, I just love studying people, and I, I just have been intrigued by this whole subject of work for many years. So, every time I'd think of a thought, I'd write it down. And then um, one day, a couple of years ago, my daughter said to me, uh, I read a blog today where a mom, young mom said, should I unload the dishwasher when my daughter is up from her nap, or should I just do all my housework when she's sleeping? And I thought, what? You, you're going to just play with your child the whole time when she's awake, and then you're going to try and do all the work yourself when she's sleeping? And, you know, involve the child. It, work is fun. Work is good. It's good for kids. So then when last year when COVID was shutting everything down, we had extra time. And my husband, who's an incredible worker, he said, now's the time to write your book. So that's what I did. And he, <laughs> he did have to keep nudging me and encouraging me through the whole time. So, um, yeah, hence the book. Yeah, I have to say, describing uh, Joel as an incredible worker <laughs> might be a massive understatement. Yeah. <laughs> Carl and I were just talking yeah. before we came on air. I, I was marveling at the, the amount of output. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm convinced he thinks that sleep is merely a psychological need for wimps no. and uh, works a 24-hour day. No, actually, actually, he sleeps enough, but a normal amount. But it's just, I think it's the perseverance that uh, makes him get everything done. I've observed him <laughs> close at hand, and uh, it's just, he loves his work, too. Yeah. yeah. He does have an infectious enthusiasm yes. whenever you talk to Joel about his work or his ministry. Mary, one of the things that you know, I, I think often when I look back on my own Christian parenting, which has sort of kind of come to an end now, I guess, with my boys being you know, in their 20s and, uh, and, and self-sufficient in terms of finance, thankfully, and everything. Mm-hmm. I remember when they were growing up, I very much focused on teaching them that you know, church was important on a Sunday. As a Christian parent, your mind kind of goes to the the explicitly Christian things. Prayer is important. Going to church is important. Uh, and, and always, of course, grounding those in, in biblical teaching. Uh, where would you go to when, you, when you're teaching your kids about the importance of work? How would you do that from a sort of catechetical perspective? Where would you take them in the Bible and say, you know, looking at these Bible passages uh, teaches you that, that human beings are made partly to work, not simply to worship God on a Sunday, but to, to work as well. Where would you go in the Bible to, to sort of teach your children a specifically Christian work ethic? Yes. 
Well, God works. He created the whole world. And before the fall, we, Adam and Eve worked in the garden. And it was a good thing. It wasn't a burden at that time. They were, you know, the whole creation mandate to uh, go and subdue the earth and to be fruitful and multiply. Work was a huge part of our world pre-fall. And then post-fall, of course, it, the, the, the miserable part of it got introduced, but yet God redeems work. And so work is still a good thing. God gives us um, skills. Each one of us has unique skills and talents that we are to use to God's honor and glory. We're, we're to use all of our life for God's honor and glory. Um, the Ten Commandments, six days shalt thou labor, and then the, the one day of rest. So that encompasses many, many hours. And when we glorify God, we're showing forth his, um, his works and his ways to whomever we meet along our pathway of life. So those who are in ministry, of course, have a, a much more day-to-day intimate experience with that. But yet even the, the carpenter, the plumber, the lawyer, the doctor, they have ways of showing forth God's honor and glory in their everyday life. And, and they're out there infiltrating the, the community too, so they can leaven that lump with, with good things uh, of God by either explicitly in their words or just by their behavior, showing love and kindness and patience and, um, you know, putting up with other people's foibles and difficulties in a way that's, that's Christian. So we, we can really let our light shine and be salt on the earth with our work. Hmm. You know, it's interesting. I, I, several years ago, I was having a conversation with my youngest son um, and he had gotten his first full-time job. And I remember, oh, after a week or so, um, he was home and, and we were talking and he said, you know, I, I really feel good about myself in the evenings after I come home from, from work. And that really surprised him that he would feel that way. And, and he began to notice that uh, a few of his friends that did not have jobs didn't, didn't seem to be very happy. And of course this was a very basic language he was using is, you know, they don't seem very happy, but you know, I feel really good about myself in the evenings, which, you know, as I said, was a surprise to him, but it was an opportunity for me to, to talk into some of those very issues you mentioned, well, buddy, because God's created us to be productive and that even though our work is frustrating in a fallen world, work itself is still a blessing. It's still good. And so I said, you know, and I tried to point out to him that even though your job appears very, very ordinary on the outside, Mm -hmm. you're not curing any diseases. You know, it's just an ordinary job. There is this kind of strange sense you get that you did something good, right? And he said, "Yes, that's what it is." And I don't under and I, it's because that's the way God made you. Yeah. And and that was that was affirming uh, for him to 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 begin to think about just this ordinary job in in those categories. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've, Karen and I, my wife and I, have told all three of our kids is that you know when you when you do a good job at your work, when you, when it, that's one of the ways that you honor the Lord, because you're honoring your employer that way and you're showing respect. So when you show up five or 10 minutes early, rather than five or 10 minutes late, that's a way that you actually honor God. I mean, that, and uh, just trying to help them. And I wonder, you know, throughout your book, what are some of the handles you try to give parents in terms of, 
um, here are some helpful tools or some helpful strategies to, to teach some of this to your kids, to help them understand um, the importance of, of, of work. Yes. I, I would just really want to encourage parents to persevere and to, to be patient, to be uh, firm and strong and yet not be a taskmaster and to Mm -hmm. uh, realize that this whole training thing takes years, literally years. And, Mm-hmm. And to persevere when they're little, do it with the little things and just keep on working at it and don't, don't lose heart because there will be ups and downs. And uh, hopefully someday it'll all come together. Children mature in, in different ways, but mm-hmm. you hope that by the time they're uh, 18 or 22, you know, when they get out of college, that they're, they're equipped. And it's all those years of training. Just a little story about one of our children. Um, we did have some uh, challenges with this child and getting them to work at home. And then they had their first job. And uh, my husband saw the manager of that that uh, that business a few months later and said, "How's how's our child doing at work?" And that manager said, "Oh, your child's the best worker I have." <laughs> it's like he just about fell over. But so we've heard that story. And we ourselves, I, yeah. I was not a very good worker as a child. And that's why I say in the preface, I'm qualified to write this book because I, I know the tricks and the, the mental gymnastics mm-hmm. that someone does to try to get out of work. And, uh, yeah. But yet I finally realized, okay, if I, need, if I can respect myself and want other people to respect me, I just have to work. And then you have, once you get through that, I don't want to, uh, and I, well, I guess I have to, and well, I guess I will. And then you can get the, the sense of accomplishment that you're talking about. You know, I think your, your word about, uh, uh, being patient, don't lose hope. Kids develop in, you know, different timelines maybe than others. And, and we had a very similar experience uh, as the one you described is, uh, one of our one of our sons, you know, wonderful, terrific, lovable kid. But man, it was a hard thing to get him to to work at home. It was it was difficult to get him to be productive and to do chores and and that sort of thing. And we would we would wonder, oh my, you know, what is he going to do? You know, if he can't even empty a dishwasher, or you know, I mean, what you know, what what is he going to be able to do? And I remember. When he got his first full-time job, well, it was almost full-time because he was still a senior in high school, but he was working a lot of hours and a lot of Saturdays. And and we were just, you know, praying, okay, we hope this holds because we've never really seen him be productive. And oh, probably six months after he had taken the job, we bumped into the owner of this business in town. And we said, Well, how's he doing? And we got the same response. He's the best employee we have. He's early every time. He stays late if we ask him to. And he has a great attitude. And you could have just knocked us over with a feather. And, and I tell that story to parents to, to hopefully encourage them to say, look, it may be frustrating at home. Do what you can. But, you know, sometimes the Lord surprises you in ways that you didn't anticipate. And, and by God's grace, Oftentimes a kid, maybe a kid you didn't expect to can, by God's grace, rise to the occasion when, the, and sometimes it just takes them getting outside of the house in, in some cases. Yeah. 
Um, and so, you know, we just encouraging, don't lose hope. If you're, if you've got a kid you're struggling with, don't lose hope. It's not over. You still have influence. Mm-hmm. May I um, just in a nutshell, summarize the, the high points of the book? Please do. Oh, please do. Okay. Yes. I, I put it into uh, words that start with an E and the, the first one is um, entreaty. Like you can't do this. You just can't do this without prayer. God has to help you because it's a big job. The, the second one is example that you as parents have to live a lifestyle of, of diligence so that your kids see what that looks like. You can't just say from the couch, oh, go unload the dishwasher. Um, the third one, and observing families who have done this work thing really well. Um, the third one I think is really important, and that's expectation. Like, you don't think, oh, I can't have my child do child labor because that will not be good for right. them. But you have this expectation. They are part of the family. They reap the benefits and they are part of working together if they're able. And starting very young, um, that's actually the, the, the last one, early education. Start young so that they don't remember a time when they didn't work. And so this expectation, well, of course you're going to help with setting the table. Of course, you're going to feed the pets. Um, What do you think? You know, so this expectation, this is what we do. We work together. And don't forget the enjoyment. Um, Just to have fun being together and have fun accomplishing work. If you don't like the work itself, you'll be really happy when it's all done. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say, Mary? I mean, there may be people listening to the the program saying, this is great, but my kids are 12, 13, 14. Uh, it's too late for me to, to make an impact now. What would you say to parents who are sort of suddenly realize that, yeah, we, we missed the boat early on in building this kind of culture in our home? Is it ever, is it ever too late? Well, are there things that you can I do? I think it's much easier if you start very, very young, like when as soon as they dump over that box of Duplos, they're able to, to pick it up. <laughs> Um, and you might have to, you know, take their hand and with a Duplo in it and put it in the bucket. But if, if you haven't done that, and if your kids are, you know, like you say, 12, 13, 14, and they're not working very much, it's, it's not too late. There's hope. It'll be harder. But I would say sit down together as parents or a single parent, make, make a plan and make a realistic plan where you, you start <clears throat> relatively small with, with a few jobs and, um, and then build up so that they learn how to work. And once you make this plan, then um, have a family meeting and apologize. Say, we're so sorry we haven't properly trained you to this point to work and to get you ready for uh, um, adult life. And, but we're going to start now, and this is the plan, and we're going to enjoy it. We're going to be positive. And then you follow the plan, but I'm saying start small, like don't have them do everything all at once because you'll all give up. Start small, but be firm in enforcing the plan until they get used to, you know, cleaning up their room every week or, um, you know, helping with the house cleaning. And then um, if they don't, if they choose not to, then there's got to be some consequences that they're aware of ahead of time that they will suffer natural consequences. You know, if you didn't put your, clothes in the hamper, then you're not going to get them washed. That's your responsibility. And, or if you, 
we told you you had to clean your room if you're going to go out on Friday night. Oh, friends show up Friday night, room's not clean. Sorry. So those are natural consequences that are um, that you implement. And then, um, so be firm. That's the hardest part. And then build in rewards yeah. and have have fun together. Make it make it a positive experience and point out the sense of accomplishment that you talked about. You know, my wife says to me, if you don't put your clothes in the basket, they don't get washed. I'm, I'm just thinking, <laughs> yeah, I'm now going to blame my parents. I'm going to say, well, it was, uh, my mom never made me do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's great advice. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, when, when I – when my boys were, were little and I would go outside and, and mow the grass, um, you know, they each had a, a, a toy lawnmower mm-hmm. that you'd put bubble stuff in and you'd mm-hmm. push it along and it would blow bubbles, but uh, really quite on their own. I never asked them to do this, but they periodically, they would come out there and join me as I was mowing the lawn and they would push their, you know, little bubble blowing lawnmower. But it got me thinking uh, as I was thinking about this book, you know, it used to be that to- very common even when my kids were, were little, um, that, that toys often reflected this sense of the importance of productivity. So our daughter had a toy kitchen, for instance. Our boys had toy lawnmowers and, and these kinds of things, which I don't really see much anymore for children. And I hadn't thought about it until just recently, how even children's toys used to invite them to be productive and to start. And basically, we're modeling on a child's level the sorts of daily duties that their parents have and even starting to introduce them to those things at the youngest age. Yes. And at that young age, they're actually excited about being like mommy and daddy. So those toys, I agree that that's not done as much, but those toys are still available. And I say, just milk that for as far as it goes Absolutely, and and ride that wave of excitement that the children have for being big like mommy and daddy and working like mommy and daddy. And eventually it'll probably happen that they realize, Ooh, maybe this isn't quite as much fun as I thought it was when I was younger, but (laughs) then deal with that when it comes. But, you know, just take advantage of that. I think that's a very natural thing for children to, to do and just use that, use that for good. Yeah, indeed. And I think part of your earlier counsel cannot be overemphasized, which is, uh, you know, moms and dads um, don't command your children to be productive when you're not being productive. You know, you've got to model it for them. You've got to, or it's just going to be received by your kids as, as hypocrisy. Right. And so they need to see you as being joyfully productive as well. That's a huge part of it, I'm sure. Yes, I would say there's also a few non-negotiables that, um, and this applies to training them to work, but also just to childhood in general. And I, I think it's very important that, okay, defiance, if they, sometimes parents think uh, defiance in a little child is cute, and that's mm. an absolute no-no. Um, if yeah, yeah. whatever, when that first shadow of defiance shows up, you have to deal with it and squelch it either with, you know, a firm no or or some kind of discipline that tells them that defiance Mm -hmm. is not okay. Because if that grows, you, you know, picture a 17 year old defiant child, and that's a lot harder to handle than a a two year old. And along with that to require obedience, because if they don't obey when they're a child, they're not going to obey as an adult uh, to God, to an employer, to the police. So obedience, you just have to have to require obedience. And that takes a lot of prayer and wisdom. And I think 
Also, um, a bottom line non-negotiable is teach them to do boring work. They have to have experience <laughs> with drudgery work that's repetitive, um, just because that's life, you know. A right. lot, even those mm. of us who have a job that we love, there's there's boring parts to it, and they have to be able to mentally get through that. And serving, we, we got to serve each other, is have an atmosphere of of uh, serving each other. And that's, that's so, so rewarding. And finally, a non-negotiable is whining cannot be a winning option. Like whining is something that comes to little, even babies very naturally. And when children whine, when they have to work, it's, they, they've got a, the pain of whining has to be greater than the pain of the work that they're being asked to do. So we cannot, reinforce whining by saying, oh, well, I guess you don't have to do that today, you know? So we have to weed out whining. That's the strategy I use with my wife, though, <laughs> I need to get out of something. So I, I hope she doesn't listen to this. So, yeah. one, one further question, Mary, and, and maybe it's a, it's not a pushback question, but it's a, it's a balanced question. Obviously, there's more to life than work. Even as adults, uh, we some of the most uh, beautiful moments in our lives are uh, moments when in a sense, from a work perspective, we waste time. We, we sit and enjoy each other's company. Uh, how do you strike a balance between, say, allowing children to be children and teaching them a work ethic? Yes, I, I think, okay, if you think of a child, a little baby, they do zero work. And if you think of an 18-year-old or 22-year-old, you know, most of their life uh, waking hours are spent working or at least half their waking hours. So it's a gradual trajectory as they're growing up. They, you know, as they get older, they're working more and playing less. But I, I think that the relaxation, the, the family time, the together time, even independent playtime, um, that is so very, very important too. They have to have relaxation. Um, like Elizabeth Elliott said, if, if you're not hungry, you don't enjoy the food. So if you if you haven't worked, then you don't enjoy a break. So you know the working earns the break, and they they will sense that more and more as they get older. But yes, that relaxation and rest is so very very important. That's why I stress not being a taskmaster or a slave driver but um, have it be a gradual thing, a balanced thing. And I, it's hard to say what that balance is, but each parent has to find it themselves. Yeah, parenting is such a, it's not a science, it's an art form. I think you're, you're absolutely right. It isn't a one-size-fits-all thing. Uh, parents need to be, be wise. And, of course, chat to other parents as well. I think my wife and I learn so much from talking to other people who've done it finding out what they've done well, what they've done badly. And, and the uh, older, from older generation too, the, those who are, you know, 67, oh, I'm 61. Oh, I shouldn't say that older generation, 70, <laughs> 80, you know, our, our parents and grandparents ask them for advice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something, uh, it's actually something my wife feels a real burden about that uh, those of us at a certain stage in our lives have an obligation to, to, to younger people to to be there as a resource to help them and to to give advice not that we did it perfectly at all but some of the things we did badly yeah. we can tell people about Definitely. and they can they can learn by way of the way of the negatives mm -hmm. so, yeah. well it's been a real pleasure uh 
talking to you, uh, Mary, and thank you so much for writing this book. We want to commend it to our listeners. It's Mary Beakey, Teach Them to Work, Building a Positive Work Ethic in Our Children, published by Reformation Heritage Books. And we'll also give a shout out for Reformation Heritage Books. Um, one of the many things that Mary's husband, Joel, does in his spare time <laughs> is run a publishing company, Reformation Heritage Books, that produces consistently good Christian literature from uh, basic devotional stuff all the way up to, to published academic dissertations and always at a, at a reasonable price. So we want to commend both the publishing house and particularly Mary's book, uh, Teaching Them to Work To. Please, uh, if you're listening, visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, where you'll uh, have an opportunity to uh, enter to win a copy of Mary's book. But if you don't win a copy of Mary's book, we would urge you to, to buy a copy, read it, give it away, encourage your congregants, your friends to, uh, to read it. While you're visiting our website, if you feel led, please feel free to uh, make a donation. We are a, do- a listener-supported podcast. And uh, all that remains now is for me once again to thank Mary Beakey for being with us, to thank you for listening, and to say we look forward to being with you next week. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. For more on topics like this, visit mortificationofspin.org, where you can find other articles by Carl and Todd, browse the archive of past episodes, and make a donation. We'll talk to you next time on Mortification of Spin. You have a job? Why wouldn't I? I'm not some lazy, inconsiderate jerk who lays in bed all day. Say, where can I get one of these jobs? Oh, they're everywhere, especially if you're green and have six tentacles. Thanks. I'm going to go look for one so I can stop mooching off my friends and they can get back to their lives. University and seminary credentials are not the end, but only steps in a lifelong calling to theological wisdom, and theological wisdom is greatly needed today. Greystone Theological Institute exists to resource rigorous and effective continuing education and scholarship by hosting full and micro-course modules, study days, seminars, workshops, and other events designed for advanced theological edification and fellowship. Exploring and deploying advances in scholarship across the disciplines, Greystone sharpens skills, provokes new questions, and reconsiders old ones in the mode of confessional reformed Catholicity. Join the next course or event at Greystone in Pittsburgh or online or become a Greystone member at greystoneconnect.org today and enjoy access to the rapidly growing online library of all modules, events, and seminars for the price of a paperback. Greystone Theological Institute. Faithful theological wisdom, edification, and training in a rapidly changing world. Visit greystoneinstitute.org for more about Greystone and greystoneconnect.org to become a member today.